The monthly Humans of Own events have become a fixture of the Vanderbilt business community and give students, faculty, and staff a chance to share their stories. For our last episode of the academic year, we wanted to give our podcast listeners a chance to hear a real Humans of Owen story. We sat down with Joshua Carlisle, a Master of Science and Finance student who once thought he might never get the chance to go to college, and ended up getting a master's degree at his dream university, Vanderbilt. Thanks to Josh for sharing his story with us this week. Hi, my name is Joshua Carlisle. I am part of the MSF class of 2018. I am about to graduate and I've accepted a job at Capco, a financial tech firm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I'm from Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm one of seven siblings. And I guess my story uh, coming to Owen is a lot different than many other people. Gosh, where to begin? All right, so, so both of my parents had met at this private Christian university in Cleveland, Tennessee, Lee University. Uh, my dad was going to school to be a pastor, and I think my mom was going uh, to school to teach. Anyway, they met, and three months after they met, they were married. It was very, very fast, and my mom had my brother John, who's a year older than me, while in college, and she would take him to class after he was born, and then she had me a year later, while in college still, and she would take us both to class after we were born. And before my dad graduated college, they had a third son, uh, my brother Caleb, and we're all three a year apart. And so as you can imagine, um, you know, I'm on a college budget right now. It's I can't even imagine being married and having three kids, but my parents worked really hard to provide, and they worked really hard to get through school. My mom actually had to drop out to take care of us, and my dad continued. A few months after graduation, my sister Hannah was born, and so that was all four of us, uh, four years apart. We ended up moving to a town called Cartersville, Georgia. My dad wanted to be a chiropractor after he had made it through seminary school, and he started taking classes at this chiropractic college called Life University um, in Marietta, Georgia. We were living in a small town called Cartersville because it was halfway in between a carpet uh, manufacturing plant that he worked at in Dalton, Georgia, and Marietta, where he took classes. We had moved in and started to settle in, um, and right around when my sister Hannah was born, my mom started having uh, serious back pain. Um, as you can imagine, four kids in four years would probably put a lot of strain on any person's back. And um, she started taking some medication for it. And, you know, I talked to my dad about it sometimes today, and he says the medication changed her. And um, long story short, they ended up getting in a divorce. My dad, he was in the military. He served 19 years, three different branches. And so he moved all over the place. And after the divorce, um, he became more of a voice on the phone um, than a tangible figure in my life. And it wasn't his fault. He always wanted to be there, but he always had an obligation somewhere else. And the military was taking him somewhere, or the Air Force took him somewhere. He, he'd switched branches a few times which never made sense to me, but I think he always just uh, really liked these different military careers. I remember getting a call when I was seven years old, and he had been put in South Carolina, and I got a call when I was eight years old. He was in Texas, nine years old. He was in Spain, 11 years old. He was in Detroit, 
And then one time I got a call at 13 years old, and they had moved him to Fairbanks, Alaska, of all places. Uh, he told me he wanted me to come visit, <laughs> and it, it took took a little bit of time for me to actually want to go to Alaska, if I'm being completely honest. It's a very cold place. My mom never finished college, and she worked really hard to, um, to pay, uh, pay our bills. I mean, she was working at a daycare, cleaning houses, working at a McDonald's, just anything to take care of us. We, we were living on food stamps and WIC vouchers, uh, government aid. My dad was paying child support. And um, my dad, you know, he, he had a seminary education degree. He wasn't made of money either. To this day, I never really, like, can grasp how he got by. Um, to be honest, I never thought I'd have an opportunity to go to college because realistically, I never thought that I would be able to afford it. And um, I guess growing up, I kind of grew into this mindset of an entrepreneur. I remember I was at Walmart and they had these king size chocolate bars, which normally sell, uh, normally sold for $1.25 and they were on sale for 50 cents each. And I bought every single one that they had and started going door to door selling these for $2 each. And I remember one day um, I came back and I, I had made $88 one Saturday morning. And my mom just could not believe it. <laughs> it was like she thought I had discovered fire or something. And um, so me and my siblings started packing up in our minivan every single Saturday and Sunday. And we'd go sell chocolate bars or all the neighborhoods. We hit every single store in town and had them price match the chocolate bar discount we got at Walmart and bought every single king size chocolate bar in the town of Cartersville, Georgia. So my mom, we had us four kids and then my parents divorced. But then uh, my mom had my sister Ashley and to this day we, we don't know who her father is. And then she had my twin sisters Alexis and Alicia we later found out, you know, one of our family friends was their dad. You know, my mom did everything she could to care for us, and she was a single parent of seven kids. And my dad, even from a distance, even as a voice on the phone, he was paying child support for seven because nobody else was going to pay child support for the other three. And he, was, he, he did everything he could to make sure our needs were met. I remember having conversations with my dad where he told me he was up there in Alaska sleeping on an air mattress and eating beans out of a can because it was more important to have our bills paid, to have our needs met, to have our tennis shoes, to have our warm clothes in the winter than it was for him to be comfortable where he was at. My dad always worked so hard, even from a distance. I mean, times were rough growing up, to be completely honest. I remember coming home eight years old and the electricity would be cut off and I didn't know when it was going to get cut back on and I remember uh, asking my mom you know why are we so poor and she said because I went to college she told me um, she said you could do anything you want one day if you want to be a lawyer you could be a lawyer you're smart Joshua she always reminded me that I never believed it because I was always a realist even at a young age I think when you grow up in those types of situations reality hits you a little bit differently than it hits the other kids that have both of their parents at home or you know both their parents had college degrees and so you know I always appreciated her telling me this but I, I never believed it that's uh that's a crazy thing I never thought I'd get an opportunity to go to college let alone be at my dream school
I've wanted to be at Vanderbilt longer than I can like <laughs> even remember. This school had everything, everything that I wanted. Academic excellence, I mean, it's basically an Ivy League of the South. It's, it's a big sports school. It's in the SEC. It's in Nashville. It's, it's one of the most innovative, most liberal, most incredible environments I've ever been in. And I would say it's probably been uh, the most wonderful time of my life being here every single day. Coming to class, it's just it's surreal because <laughs> sometimes I, I can't believe I actually am here. But um, I, I never saw that as a kid. I don't think any of my siblings did. When I was 15 years old, um, my mom had passed away from a car accident, and I moved to Alaska with my dad. And my dad, like I had said, he had been kind of a voice on the phone most of my life. And so this was uh, this was very devastating, and it was it was hard because I felt like I was um, established, and I had to pick up the pieces and go. His house was a lot different than my mom's house. My dad, uh, he's a pastor and a chiropractor, and so Monday through Friday, he's cracking bones. On the weekends, he's leading a sermon. The the structure that I had in my mom's house, I was watching my little sisters. I never neglected knowing if my dad like loved me or not, because I knew he did, but there was always that disconnect of, you know, why are you here, and you, you, you grow up with your friends and they have both their parents at home and you know their lives on the outside look perfect and you know I'm sure on the inside they're not I guess everybody's got their struggles but this was mine I I guess I'd never felt more divided in my life because uh, we didn't know who Ashley's dad was she uh, she moved in with my grandparents in Michigan and uh, the twins moved in with their dad in South Carolina their names were Alexis and Alicia I guess in Alaska, I just, you know, I just made it a goal to, to fit in, try to be a normal kid. And my dad had just started his chiropractic business uh, about a year before he had finished all his boards. And so right as I had moved there, he started to practice. And I remember he had just got let go from a job right before I got up there. And I, I had conversations with him where he's thinking, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to take care of these kids? God help me. And he started his business, and he told me, he said, Son, I made $573 in our first day in business. And I knew that was a sign from God that we were going to be okay. And the business continued to grow, and it doubled the next year, and it doubled the year after that. And all of a sudden, we went from this impoverished lifestyle, my dad sleeping on a blow-up mattress, eating out of cans, us living in Georgia on child support and food stamps, like... Um, to all of a sudden we, we had money for the first time in our lives. We, we were buying cars and four-wheelers. We were taking trips to Hawaii. It was, uh, it was like nothing we had ever witnessed before. And I remember my dad, he said, I, I want to send you kids to the best school that I can possibly afford to send you to because I've never been able to provide the way that I wanted to all my life. And I want to give you kids every bit of what I can. And so he put us all in private schools, and so me and my brother Caleb were going to Lee University, which is where my parents had met, and also my grandparents had gone there. We were third-generation students there, and we ended up uh, back in Tennessee, about two and a half hours from Vanderbilt. And my brother John was going to private school, and it was called Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. And right before my sister Hannah came, uh, my dad's business took a big hit. 
Caleb uh, left Lee to to go back home and study in state. Hannah never came, and uh, I just ended up uh, working forty hours a week at a Chili's to pay my way through college. I had a scholarship there, which really helped. It was the honor scholarship, but it required you maintain a three point seven GPA, and so I worked forty hours a week for a year and a half, and I had made it to my senior year. I was coming into my last final exam, and I made my very first C in college, and it uh, dropped me down to a 3.68, and they took my scholarship, and I I had fought so hard to stay and graduate the same place my parents went, my grandparents went, and I begged with them. I begged with all of my professors that if I didn't make an A in their class, if there was any leeway, I, I didn't even need a full letter grade. I just needed to, to get up plus on something, something from a minus to a plus. Uh, nobody worked with me, and I was devastated when I had to leave there. And little did I know that I had something better waiting on me. You know, because to be truthful, I was at Lee. I always wanted to be at Vanderbilt. I didn't even apply in my undergrad because I thought, well, you know, even if I got in, I can't afford it. <laughs> and um, so I, I never even tried, and I just thought, you know, I'm I'm getting into Vanderbilt one day. I know I'm going to. So I transferred to UT Chattanooga, and although I had one semester left because I transferred, it took a year and a half to graduate, but it ended up being an incredible opportunity this year and a half because I wanted to study finance, and Lee University did not have a finance major. UT Chattanooga had a wonderful finance program, and I quickly got engaged. I was working on... Um, three different portfolios for the school for the UC Foundation between the Smile Fund, uh, the TVA Investment Fund, and the Harris Fund, all together managing about a million dollars as a consumer discretionary analyst. And I wouldn't have had that experience at Lee. And so I guess like losing the scholarship was a blessing in disguise. My senior year at UT Chattanooga, so I guess my second senior year, I, I had this idea to start my own company, uh, Moccasin Bin Company, and I wanted to create the Chattanooga brand, and I wanted to help give back to the community. I had a goal to partner with a variety of local nonprofit organizations that were making Chattanooga, Tennessee, a better place every single day between childhood cancer research funds, childhood cancer rehabilitation, scholarship assistance programs, global missionary outreach. Uh, I remember... Gosh, we were three months into the company, and we had started the Moccasin Bend Company Foundation Scholarship Fund. It was a $1,000 fund, and I couldn't believe that I had started a $1,000 fund, me and my partner, by selling T-shirts. And uh, Chattanooga is a very entrepreneurial place, and, and I always had this entrepreneurial heart uh, from the time of selling chocolates door-to-door as a child to, to now trying to make a difference in this city. And I, I just I couldn't believe that we had started the scholarship fund already within <laughs> just a few months. It was honestly the most incredible thing. And I'd say it was doing that that gave me the confidence eventually to apply to Vanderbilt. But that still didn't happen for nearly another year. I, I got out and I started working for this uh, logistics company. And it was great at first. I really enjoyed it. It was my first job out of college, but it just, uh, I got in a ruck at some point. 
I was dating this girl at the time, and she was uh, like she was perfect. She was beautiful inside and out. She had her life together. All of my friends loved her. And um, one day, uh, my friend came to me and told me he was in love with me. And I wasn't really sure how to respond because, to be truthful, I think I was in denial when I was with this girl. Weeks go by and nothing. And I realized that I loved him back. And um, I broke up with my girlfriend the next day. And that was... That was devastating because, you know, here I am just trying to <laughs> trying to figure life out one paycheck at a time, to be honest. And all of a sudden, I'm just questioning myself, questioning my sexuality, questioning my friendship, questioning this girl that I might have, who knows, spent my life with at some point. And I guess at some point, you kind of just know. And I think that was always there. I kind of just knew But until that thing was just like screaming at me in my face, like, hey, this is not where you need to be, you know, that it would become more uh, apparent. That that was an interesting time because I guess I've I've always been one of those guys, like I I played rugby in college, I I played uh, basketball, soccer in high school. Like I've always just been one of the guys. And, you know, some of my friends, like they just stopped talking to me all of a sudden. You know, they're like, oh, you were Josh, but now you're gay Josh. And... You know, that was hurtful, uh, to be truthful. And I guess, like, Alaska, uh, they're, they're very much conservative. And, and, you know, this Southern Christian university that I was at uh, was very conservative as well. Many of my friends were very conservative. And so I did lose a lot of friends over it. But I'll tell you, I've, I've never looked back because um, I've probably never been happier in my life Uh, You know, you go your whole life, like, just feeling like you have this mask on, and all of a sudden you just take it off, and it's a breath of fresh air. You know, I I think even coming here to Vanderbilt, the community here is just so accepting, so empowering. Uh, They they really, they they say this thing here, BU at VU, and they absolutely mean it, because this isn't a place for intolerance. This is a place for, hey, we, we love every bit of diversity we can get, and it's one of the things that just makes this an incredible home. I'm I'm really jealous for the people that get to be here a lot longer than me because um, I've never been happier in my life than being here. But I, uh, I'm back at this job, and I, I come out to, to my office and, uh, you know, get, get through that. And shortly after, I just realized, you know, there were a couple of other things I wasn't happy with, and I always wanted to go back to school. I had this idea that I wanted to get my PhD at some point, and I definitely wanted to get my master's a lot sooner, and this job just seemed like a, a dead end, where you get you know some young kids right out of college, and you let them burn out after five years, and then you replace them, and I very much felt like I was at that spot. The owner of my company found out one day that I had put in an application to Vanderbilt, because when he came to me and said, I, I I heard you applied to Vanderbilt. You want to tell me what's going on? I I was honest with him. I said, look, like this is this is a dream of mine. This is something I will pursue. I frankly I don't know if I have a shot, but I promise you, if it works out, I'm going to go. And keep in mind, this was probably eight months before classes would even begin. And he said, well, I'll be honest. You are a three to five year investment at this firm at a bare minimum. And if I can't count on you for that amount of time, 
then um, you're done. He said, take the weekend to think about it. I had a phone call with the director of admissions for my program that Monday morning, and I came in after lunch, and him and I met, and I said, you know, I think I've got a shot, and I'm going to go for it. And I lost my job, and I was devastated because I've always been a horrible standardized test taker. It's one of the reasons I didn't apply to come here for my undergrad. I didn't think I'd even have a chance of getting in, and so I, I took this risk with no promise of anything on the other side, no income, and um, I had my on-campus interview three weeks later, and I just fell in love with the place. It was much more than I ever expected it to be, and I just had to take the test, and I took my GMAT, and the average GMAT for my program is a 710 or 709 and I scored a 530 my first time. And I emailed it to them and I said, I, <laughs> like, I'm not giving up on this program. Please, please, please don't reject me. I like begged them. And um, they said, all right, go ahead and take it again. And I took it again and my score dropped 50 points. I studied till I felt like my eyes were bleeding and <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. My score had gone worse than than previously, and I I called my dad and I bawled my eyes out. He said, "You're a man. Don't cry." <laughs> out of love, though, he said, "Don't cry. Don't cry. It'll be fine. It'll be fine." I I called the director of admissions. And I was honest. I was like, "I'm not giving up. I'm gonna take this test as many times as you will let me take it. Don't give up on me." And they said, "All right, we're gonna give you a spot on the wait list, but we need you to test again." <laughs> Little did I know I'd test four times before I got into the program. I had no job, I got waitlisted, and I didn't know if it was gonna work out at this point because a lot of people come to this program. A lot of people get accepted, and I'm sure several people get waitlisted as well. So I started looking at some other schools, and by my surprise, I got invites to uh, Rice University, Duke University, Notre Dame, UT Austin. Baylor and I just I, I got in my car and I just started traveling the nation literally I lived out of my car for three weeks uh, I didn't have enough money for rent gosh I would I would like drive through the night to get to Texas uh, to interview and then drive through the next night to get to another interview and drive the next night to get to another interview and day after day I was just doing this and sometimes I get to a university and I just I'd be like, oh, there's a university, <laughs> like, on the way. I'd just pull off and go knocking on doors and be like, excuse me, who's the director of this program? And I was being invited to interview after 20 minutes from knocking on somebody's door, and they had never heard of me before in their life. And that's, that's just who I was. I wasn't going to quit, no matter what it took. And I remember I got to Duke University. I managed to talk my way, somehow I negotiated my way into an interview the day before. I had to take my test for the third time, uh, and I was taking it at a Knoxville testing center, and I was like, well, I had just left Notre Dame, and Knoxville was about equidistant from Durham, Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina, and South Bend, Indiana, and so... Right before I headed into my test, I called Duke and I, I gave him the story. I was like, I'm, I'm from Alaska. I don't know when I'm going to be on this side again. Like, um, <laughs> I'll drive to you guys tomorrow if you, if you can squeeze me in for an interview. And somehow, 
uh, had grace with the admissions office, and they're like, yeah, come on. <laughs> I turned out a couple of people had dropped out of their interviews last second. I, I pull up, drove through the night, and I get there around 9.30 in the morning. I've got a 10 o'clock interview, and I just took an Aquafina shower in the parking lot, <laughs> like right before my interview. I, I had a bottle of water, and this wasn't the only time I did it. <laughs> I was living out of my car for a month, so I got used to these Aquafina showers. Um, but I showered, and I went in. Gosh, lo and behold... I hadn't heard back from any admissions from any of these universities after knocking on all of these doors, after three weeks of driving, after taking another test, and um, I started to lose hope, and I, I got a call back from Baylor, and they were the first one to call me back, and they said, hey, we, we want to see you on campus again, and I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm driving back out to Texas, <laughs> and um the day I get to Baylor, uh, I'm leaving the um, admissions office, shaking the director's hand, and I see a call on my phone from South Bend, Indiana, and I, I like shake that hand as fast as I can. I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And as I'm leaving, literally still in the College of Business at Baylor, I get my acceptance from Notre Dame, and I lose my mind like in front of the director. I'm like, I got it, I can't believe it. <laughs> And you can imagine that probably didn't look great doing that in front of the director from Baylor. But it was it was my first official acceptance. Then they started to come in after that, but I, I still hadn't heard back from Vanderbilt. And I'll be truthful, Vanderbilt was uh, it was the one I wanted most. My dad was visiting from Alaska one day, and I said I wanted to take him to see Notre Dame. And my dad said, no, I want to see Vanderbilt instead. And I was like, yeah, but Dad, I hadn't gotten in yet. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it's going to work out. He said, no, I want to see Vanderbilt. So I, I emailed the director of admissions, and I said, hey, my dad's here from Alaska. He's here for one day. My brother had just graduated from his MBA at Southeastern, so we were about to head down there. You know, I, I said, he's here for one day, and he wants to see the campus. Would it be okay if we set up a meeting? And she said, absolutely. Uh, we'd love to have you here. And I walk into the College of Business, and it couldn't have been more than five seconds later. Mara Clark is right there, director of admissions, grinning from ear to ear. And she said, I can't keep the good news. We decided to accept you. And uh, I had a scholarship, and uh, <laughs> it was incredible because I, I had literally, <laughs> I, I would have been bawling my eyes out, but my dad was there, and I knew I couldn't do that in front of him. I had spent everything I had. I had $30 in my bank account. I remember uh, I took out a credit card just to pay for gas and, like, make ends meet on the way. And here I am standing in front of the director of admissions in the flesh. I got accepted. My knees are about to go weak <laughs> because I can't believe it. And my dad was there to witness it in person. It was uh, it was serendipitous. And I, I don't know. I guess the only thing I could say is, like, if, if you... If you have something you want to do in your life, like go after it, because there's nothing stopping you except yourself. If if you if you accept defeat, the answer is already no. If you don't try, the answer is already no. You never know. Some doors might open, some doors might not. But the people that work hard, the people that stay humble, and the people that show up, yes, you have to keep showing up. Those are the ones that have something in store, because something is bound to happen for those types of people. I never gave up. Um, I'm here right now, and uh, it, it has been the most spectacular year of my life. I've, I've made some of the most wonderful friendships here. 
I've made, I mean, I consider them family. This program has very much been a family. These have been some of the most innovative people in, 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 in so many ways, you know, I've, I've never felt like, I've never felt like an idiot, like in a room before, but when you're around so many bright people, you're just like, okay, I'm not going to talk right now because the, that's just the, uh, that's just the environment here. Like everybody brings something incredible to the table and, and maybe somebody might not be as good at analyzing bond markets, but somebody else might be an incredible public speaker. Somebody else might be incredible at uh, an entrepreneurial uh, venture, you know, whatever. Like everybody is here for a reason. And that's the one thing I found at Vanderbilt that I hadn't seen anywhere else is, um, I felt like everybody was very intentionally selected for this program. Uh, it's it's absolutely incredible to be here. I never thought I'd be here, and I'm here today. And you know, I, I graduate in a short couple of weeks, and um, yeah, I got to say I'm going to miss it. Uh, this has been by far the best time of my life. It's, it's been a dream come true. Uh, I know my mom would be proud of me. You know, I, I wish I could tell her I got into Vanderbilt because. <laughs> I don't think she'd know what to do. I got in, and my my sister Hannah, her dream is to work for the United Nations one day, and so she was looking at these international affair programs and international education and policy management programs. And Vanderbilt happens to have, I think it's the number three in the nation program, but you know, at the Peabody College, I had to convince Hannah. I said, Hannah, you just come, 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 like just come meet the people here come meet Vanderbilt like you will fall in love with this place and I'll be truthful I didn't know if she had a shot of getting in when I told her to come but you know I, I certainly hoped she did and she got in and she she just came a couple weeks ago for a welcome weekend and she's in love with it my brother's name is Caleb and my best friend from Alaska's name is Caleb and they're married to twin sisters Sam and Aaron it inspired them to apply to Vanderbilt, and Sam and Aaron both got in for their master's in nurse practicing. So now, like, my brother's coming, my best friend's coming, Sam and Aaron are coming, uh, my sister Hannah's coming, and it's it's just this crazy reality that, like, our whole family's going to be here at Vanderbilt, this school that I had literally dreamed about for so long, and I didn't think I had a shot of getting in, and now my whole family is here, and it's like, it really has become a family university. I, I couldn't be more proud or more humbled at the same time because of it. It's, it's such a blessing, and uh, we're very grateful for this school. You know, my, my place is here at Owen, but uh, Vanderbilt as a whole is, you know, one university, and they get to see it from the nursing school and from Peabody, and it's so wonderful that Vanderbilt caters to, I guess, all of our different interests, but it's, it's really universal to the fact that we get to be here at the same place. Thanks to Josh and Kara for their time this week, and thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the first season of This is Vanderbilt Business. You can find more stories and information about Owen by visiting our website, business.vanderbilt.edu, or following at Vanderbilt Owen on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Music provided by Mike Foster, and I'm Nate Luce.